0: today's episode of the goldcast is actually sponsored by a new goldcast podcast. That's right. This is the brainchild of our esteemed co-host Candlestick Will, the Goldcast Top 11 list. This is a list, a podcasting list show where we are going to discuss, celebrate and debate top 11 lists of all kinds. One of the great things about Candlestick Will, Raymond, and myself is that we have very extensive opinions and we're into everything. I, I wrote comic books. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. You know, uh, R- Raymond, Candlestick Will, all varied, varied into many different subjects. We can have conversations about just about everything. And this really became the brainchild of candlestick will and this list show list shows are obviously very popular i love list shows i love debating lists i love trying to figure out where people land we all do everyone on this pod and so why don't candlestick will i'm gonna pass this off to you just give the people a little bit of uh a a, a further idea of what the top 11 podcast is and where we plan on going with this thing
1: yeah, I mean, it's something I've always done you know, my whole life, just from as a kid having fun, trying to rank different things. You know, you always try to come up with lists, you know, greatest baseball players ever, greatest, you know, football players ever, stuff like that. And so it just came from, you know, a, a passion I've always had when it came to kind of looking at different eras, looking at different sports and different things, movies. I would rank movies all the time. And in doing that, I've always had this passion for it. I think the way podcasts have evolved, You know, there's so many different avenues where you can find, you know, really interesting topics, really interesting ideas for the ideas behind what a podcast can be. And when you listen to a movie podcast and they'll do, you know, the 10 greatest so-and-so's films, it's like it really is interesting because you get to listen to all of the different movies that person was in. You get to kind of predict where they're going to go with their list. And then if they say a movie you've never heard of, it's like, wait a minute, I didn't even know that movie existed. I got to go check it out. And so it really creates a lot of interesting uh, topics. But at the end of the day, what's great about it is that it creates a lot of debate. Every list, by definition, is subjective. You know, even if you had the most objective list, people are going to be uh, could still be upset about it because you you know you went too by the book and didn't put in you know how fans thought of the person or or different things like that. So it just it leads to a really great discussion topic, no matter what the topic is. And what I love about this idea is that. We really can create a show where people can give us ideas for for topics for the show. Then we can come up with the list ourselves, and then have you know people that are are listening to our show not only um, anticipate what we're going to say, but then be able to debate what we what we end up coming up with. And so, it really is just something that I always had a passion for that I just wanted to pursue. The uh, the reason for 11 is twofold. My uh, my wife and I met on the 11th, and so that's kind of always been our number and you know, why not go one more than 10 just to be just to be different and also to give one more thing or person a shout out when you're uh, creating a, a best of list.
0: I love that because I'll be honest, when making this list, I thought to myself, thank God I have a number 11 spot. <laughs> this is really saving my butt right now.
1: Well, is this and I, and I think what, what, all, what almost always happens with me is I end up really, really putting a lot more thought into 11 than I do 10. Um, because I feel like 11 by definition can become a very personal pick, you know, it can be a very biased pick. And someone that's like, you know what, this one, this this guy doesn't make the list, you know, on most people's top tens. So because this is the top 11, I'm going to go with someone that, you know, I I think deserves it. Maybe he's underrated, someone that you know doesn't usually get the light shined on them. And so it allows for the 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 real benefit of bias to come in, because sometimes you know bias can be a negative thing. In this way, I think it's a beautiful thing.
0: That's awesome. All right, Raymond. Before we get started, why don't you let the people know where can they find us?
2: You can like us on Facebook.com slash thegoldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube and Stitcher under the same moniker, the Goldcast, and like subscribe. Subscribe so you get notifications if you want to get notified when we go live. And then also chime in on the comments section, especially over there on YouTube, because uh, Apple Podcast doesn't have that, neither does Stitcher. So if you do want to interact with us, uh, especially after hearing the episode, YouTube's probably one of the best places to do it, just because it's always... the comment section, of course, is uh, located right underneath the uh, each video that we post, and there's a lot of people that post there, and we certainly... Love to chime in with you guys, especially in this uh, new uh, vein of the gold cast that we're doing tonight. So I'd be interested to hear what other people have to say after they hear our lists of top 11.
0: Definitely, definitely. Raymond, where can they find you?
2: I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray one
0: And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy 3 and Twitter at Rudy Solis3RD. And Candlestick Will, where can they find you? They can find
1: me on Twitter at Candlestick Will, and they can now find our show our new show on Twitter at Top Eleven Podcast, Top One One Podcast.
0: All right, folks. Here is our inaugural Top Eleven Podcast. Candlestick Will had the brilliant idea. Since we're in the middle of the 49ers season, since this is a historic run, why not start with your favorite team? The team, the audience. Our people love to talk about, discuss, and listen to the most, the 49ers. This is our top 11 greatest 49ers of all time. I have a feeling these lists are going to have some very different, we're going to go a lot of different places, and at the end of the day, we're, we're very much interested in hearing what you guys think about this. Here we go. Let's, let's begin. Top 11 49ers of all time time. Let's go.
1: San Francisco, are you ready? Are you ready?
0: This is the Gold Goldcast. Boom. Welcome to the first edition of the Top 11 Podcast. I'm your host, Rudy Suisse III, and with me is my brother, my co-host.
2: Raymond Sousa I, first, baby.
0: And our esteemed co-host.
1: Candle Stick Will.
0: Boom All right, gentlemen, let's lay this out for the people so that they understand exactly how we're going to do this, so the ground can, rules. Yeah, the ground rules on our top 11 podcast. Now, a couple things. First of all, we have no idea what anyone else has chosen. I have no idea what Candlestick Will's chosen. He has no idea what I've chosen. Raymond doesn't know what I've chosen, and vice versa. So these lists are going to be revealed to everyone in real time as you're hearing it. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go eleven through seven first. Everyone's gonna reveal their lists, and then we're gonna. uh it's eleven through eight. It's uh,
2: it's eleven through eight. Yeah,
0: you're right. Eleven through eight. <laughs> so what we're, <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna go eleven through eight. Thank you, Randy. Hey, it's the
1: fir- it's the first episode. We're working out our kinks, right? We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Exactly.
0: We're gonna go eleven through eight, and then we're gonna re- we're gonna. We're going to defend our lists and explain why our lists, why we put who we wanted on those lists. And then we're going to go seven through four. Then we're going to have some honorable mentions. And then the coup de grace, one through three, three through one. The best, the top 11, the top three 49ers of all time. Now, everything is on the table. It Players, coaches, executives, anybody. This is, we are pulling from any position that we think deserves to be on the top 11 49ers of all time. So this is not a players only list. So now that doesn't mean to say Raymond Candlestick or myself. Any one of us got nothing but players and go, well, I just went all players. I still just think that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a sport of football and I wanted nothing but players that's completely on the table. We have no idea what anyone else has chosen, but when creating the rules for this list, we decided, you know what? Let's just go with any 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 position front office team coach doesn't matter. So let's begin. Raymond, you chose the short straw. so you are going to, let's start with hearing your list. I want what is your 11 through eight?
2: All right. I started with Dwight Clark at number 11. Deion Sanders at number ten. Oh Roger Craig at number nine. And Carmen Policy at number eight. Holy crap. You put <laughs> Carmen Policy at eight over Roger Craig?
0: Okay, yes. well, I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna hold it. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So that was amazing. Man, Raymond, you came out guns blazing. Okay. I am going so far back, you're not you might not even know who I'm talking about. When making my list, I really just thought it was important, and I think it's as someone who's a uh, not just a fan of the game, I'm a fan of the 49ers. I'm a fan of the history of this team, and that's something I've really gone back and really started to do research on over the past several years. And at number 11, I put the million-dollar backfield. YA Tittle, quarterback, Joe Perry at fullback, Hugh the King, McElney at running back, and John Henry Johnson at running back. A, a, the, the entire backfield is in, in the Hall of Fame, and I'll explain why I put them in there afterwards. Number 10, I put John Brody, uh, one of the first storied quarterbacks for the 49ers. John Brody at number 10. Number 9, again, I'm trying to look at the totality of this team. I put Joe Staley at number 9 representing the modern era and also I really wanted an offensive lineman in there and out of all the offensive linemen I thought that deserved to be on the list I put Joe Staley representing two things the offensive line of the 49ers and I deserved I believe I wanted someone from the modern era and I didn't really think there's anyone from the modern era that deserved to be there so I put Joe Staley and at number eight I went Charles Haley very controversial pick but I went Charles Haley Defense was also very important to me. Again, when looking at my list, I was kind of trying to look at the totality of all the different positions and seeing what what needed to be represented. And I put Charles Haley. So I got the million-dollar backfield at 11, John Brody at number 10, Joe Staley at 9, Charles Haley at 8.
2: Interesting. I'm surprised that you picked an active player.
0: I did. I know. I know. This is All right. So Candlestick Will, what's yours?
1: All right, so my number eleven is Bryant Young. My number ten is Roger Craig. My number nine is Frank Gore. And my number eight is a tie between John McVay and Carmen Policy. Oh, a tie? You couldn't geez. even decide. <laughs> you gave two, it to two, both of them.
2: <laughs>
0: two people put Policy at. Where'd you put Paul? You put Policy at eight too, didn't you, Ray?
2: Uh, policies at eight, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my and you put John McVeigh. Wow, wow, that was that's really good. So Raymond, let's start with your list. Defend your list. Let's go through it again. Remind the people.
2: So, so Dwight Clark was on the the first person on my list because he was he's historic for the catch, the first catch. You know there's other catches like I think the the immaculate reception but there is no other catch. In fact, all of the other subsequent catches, you know, by rule, I don't know if, if this is actually in writing, but by rule they all have to be associated with the 49ers ever since this play going forward and we have two other versions of this. But Dwight Clark really kind of set has the famous catch that beat the Dallas Cowboys to send us to our first Super Bowl. Uh, championship appearance and Super Bowl, which would inevitably become our first Super Bowl win, so I felt it was appropriate for him to be first on my list because he was part of the f- the very first the the beginning of this super Bowl run historic dynasty run that that has that has you know set so much influence across the league ever since then, so that 's why I had him there. He was actually a part of the first two Super Bowls. And then Deion Sanders, I had him up there because he was really instrumental in getting Steve Young his Super Bowl you know there was there was never any issues with our offense during Steve Young's run, but we always had loose ends on the defensive side of the football, in particular in the secondary and once we got guys like Tim McDonald, Merton Hanks, Eric Davis, who was actually considered the weak link of of the cornerbacks. Deion Sanders really solidified the other side of it. And, you know, I know that our front office was really instrumental in getting, getting him over there. I know Eddie D and Carmen policy, you know, were very aggressive about that and uh, very much so we needed him. I felt like without a guy like him, it really would have changed not only our record that season, but perhaps could have lost us another NFC Championship game, which we lost many during that run. So I gave Dion a, a big nod there because, and he was also Defensive Player of the Year that same year too. And that was, you know, again we had we had the best defensive player on our team, and to me that was very instrumental in not only getting us there but helping us win it too. Although once we got to the Super Bowl, it was really it was the Steve Young Jerry Rice show. And then for number nine, I put Roger Craig in there. For a couple reasons, but the main one is that you know he's the first player to to do the two thousand two thousand yards in two different positions in the same season, and that's so difficult to do that only one other player has done it since then, and e- ever. You know, there's only two guys on the list. You know, when they have when they have the he's still the
0: biggest snub in my opinion in the in the NFL Hall of Fame. It really drives me bonkers that he's not in the NFL Hall of Fame. I think they're changing
2: some of the rules too that might allow him to get in as like a senior. Inductee, I, I, I remember hearing that somewhere, but I could be wrong. You know, and he was a part of three of our Super Bowl championships, and you know he he had a hundred touchdowns, or, or or I'm sorry, he's he's part of the he's in the top one hundred players of of touchdowns all time, and that's a you know that's a pretty pretty extensive that that list of a hundred players that that have the most touchdowns in NFL history I think that's an elite group and the fact that he's a part of that 100 you know to me kind of just spoke volumes about him as a player and his ability to catch and run the ball which is still very evident and still a big part of the NFL today and still a big part of the Niners' offense now, now being run by Kyle Shanahan, only he now he now uses three different versions of, of Roger Craig to run that offense. Versus back then, we just had we just had him, and we did. Although we did have him and a little bit of uh, what's his name? Um, his name's escaping me. All of a sudden, uh, we had a our fullback was what uh, Tom Tom Rathman. Yes, Tom Rathman was very integral. Integral in in the offense, catching out of the backfield, and also running short yardage plays. I was worried you were going to say Terrence Flagler. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was there, and, and current policy is in there because, a he was you know executive of the year in 1994, and you know the Niners really made some some big moves that offseason to really shore up the problems that were keeping us out of the Super Bowl, and it proved to be the the right decision all those decisions were the right decision and, you know, it got us a chip because of that. And he was a part of four of the five championships. So I couldn't leave him out because he's, he's a huge part of, of, of the, of the the Niner dynasty and not only as president and CEO, but he also did some general manager work and stuff too. So he was involved in, you know, player selection and, you know, for the most part throughout that, like what, 18, 19, 20 year run, we you know we had a lot of great picks and a lot of them ended up becoming hall of famers that's not an easy thing to do in the nfl in fact there's only one other team that sustained a longer run and that's the new england patriots so it speaks volumes about what he was able to do as an
1: executive
0: interesting interesting i have dwight clark hire on my list
1: so do i
2: Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. i want to hear those i want to hear those stories
0: yeah i have dwight clark higher on my list Uh, Again, as I mentioned before, the reason I could, I know you guys, you guys basically went 81 on. And the reason I didn't is because I had a feeling you guys both were going to do that. And the way I look at it is how I looked at it as from my list was that if I didn't put number 11, the million dollar backfield and John Brody on there, these guys are forgotten forever. And I just think that even though they're, you know, pre-Super Bowl era, pre the dynasty era. I just didn't want guys who had had some incredibly, incredible accomplishments, really ground, some of these really groundbreaking. I didn't want them to be forgotten, especially because they were tied to the 49ers. So in particular with the million dollar backfield, you know, this was one of the most prolific backfields. One of the first most prolific backfields ever assembled in professional football. Uh, Y A. tittle makes the pro bowl his first season as a full starter he's the first football player on this cover of sports illustrated seven time pro bowler first first four time first team 49ers hall of famer joe perry the fullback even more important he's the first player to have consecutive thousand yard seasons and the first african-american player ever to be recognized as the nfl mvp And when he retired, he was the all-time rushing leader as a fullback. Three-time Pro Bowl, two-time first-time All-Pro, two-time NFL rushing leader. Number 34 is retired with the 49ers. Hugh the King McElney, uh, he was known for a very elusive style. Five Pro Bowl appearances with the Niners. Uh, His first play ever as a rookie was a 40-yard touchdown that they had to draw in the dirt because he didn't know the playbook yet. (laughs) Drew it in the dirt. God, I can't even imagine uh, third most all-purpose yards when he retired. Six-time Pro Bowler. First-team first 1st All-Pro. Uh, 1950s All-Decade team. He's in the 49ers Hall of Fame. John Hentry Johnson, probably the least storied of the of the million-dollar backfield. He, was, uh, he finished second in the league in rushing his rookie season, which wasn't a lot. 681 yards, which is nothing by modern standards. And 90 Ds, but he was behind uh, Hugh the King-McElney. And so that's why I put those guys in. John Brody. John Brody's really, really, in my opinion, because Y.A. Tittle, you know, was traded away from the Niners. Um, not 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 much longer. I think he only paid like five or six years for us. But John Pro- Brody, 17 years with the 49ers, played, played at Oakland High School, went to Stanford, and then 17 years with the Niners. Literally spent his entire life in the Bay Area. 17 seasons, was the league MVP in 1970, two-time Pro Bowler, first-time Team All-Pro, NFC player of the year, two-time NFL passing leader, three-time passing yards leader. His number 12 is retired. One of my favorite stories and my, the story that basically got him into my list and why I believe that these two groups deserved to be mentioned amongst the uh, the 81 and on greats was because John Brody's final game, he actually was backup. And I believe he was, I want to say, uh, I want to say Steve DeBerg. Maybe I'm wrong, but he was the backup. He, he was the backup. And the 49ers were losing, and they're down, I think, a couple touchdowns. They bring him in the fourth quarter. They bench their quarterback. John Brody lead, brings the team all the way back. The um They win the game. They they pick up John Brody. They put him on their shoulders, and they carry him off the field um, at Kezar Stadium. And I just think, what an ending. You know, the only other guy I can think of that got put on anyone's shoulders was Bill Walsh. And I thought, you know what? He deserves it. Joe Staley, I put at nine. I mean, six-time Pro Bowl appearances, three-time second-team All-Pro. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. I already mentioned earlier. I just thought Joe Staley. We, I wanted someone from the modern era. You put Frank Gore, Candlestick Will, I believe, in this exact same spot at number nine, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. And so I want to hear your reasoning on that. And then I put Charles Haley, two-time Super Bowl player with the Niners. Uh, Raymond, I— I understand Dion and I kind of felt like for me it was either gonna be Dion or Charles Haley and I went with Charles Haley. I just thought he was more prolific. He even though his career is sandwiched with the Cowboys in the middle, he came back and played several more years for the Niners and retired a Niner. And similar to Sanders, you know, he was so important to the 49er dynasty that him moving over uh, literally helped swing, swing the the, def- the the pendulum back into the Cowboys arena and allowed them to win. But Candlestick will. I want to hear your turn now. That,
2: that's why I kept him off off that list because of you know, his affiliation with Dallas. <laughs> you know what's
0: funny? Uh, well, I, De- I'm going to talk about this. Dion had, did the
1: same thing. He yeah, did, he Dion did, did, did the same
2: thing. thing. I couldn't believe I couldn't
0: believe Dion was on your list. And Dion, as you remember, Raymond was my all-time favorite football player as a kid growing up all through the nineties, you know, I lived and died by Deion Sanders. He was my favorite player. It broke my heart when he left the Niners. I was so sad, but, um, I kept a lot of cowboy
1: cowboy love on this podcast. (laughs) 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 You
0: know, my dad, I had a long, I had about an hour long discussion with our father, the, uh, the unofficial fourth member of the gold cast. And, uh, he, 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 he had a hard time with Haley. He 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 didn't believe that Sanders deserved to be on the list, didn't play long enough. And uh, he said, you know, begrudgingly, he, he agreed with Charles Haley. He wanted me to make sure there was an asterisk next to his name for going to the Cowboys. All right, so Candlestick, Will, your turn.
1: All right, so, um, so I said uh, Bryant Young was my number 11. Um, yeah,
0: that shocked me. Explain why.
1: So out, outside of Jerry Rice, he's got the most starts in Niner history since 1981. Um, Like I, like we kind of alluded to before everybody on my list is from 81 to now. He's a hall of fame nominee too. you know, 208 starts. He should have been in the hall of fame years ago. Um, You know, the fact that his career didn't include super bowls, I think is the only reason that he gets looked at as maybe not as important as some of these other guys, but his, but he
0: was there for the first one. Our last one, wasn't he? 94. He was
1: there for Steve Young's.
0: Well, mm-hmm. as, a,
1: as a rookie, but I just mean that like basically his entire career where, you know, from that, from the years he was the best player on the field. You know, they didn't have a team good enough to get, you know, to do, do what the teams before him had done. Right. So when you look at, you know, cause as a rookie, how much did he really contribute to that? You know, that team with, the, with how loaded they were um, with some of the guys you guys mentioned just a second ago. So, you know, I think he gets kind of lost. In, and he does get lost in history. You talk about John Brody and, and the Million Dollar Backfield getting lost in Niner history. You know, Bryant Young gets lost in 49er history because of all the other names that have, you know, a bunch of rings. Um, but I think he was as good as any other, as, as nearly any other defensive player that they've ever had um, in the last, you know, 30, 30 plus years. He was. And he um, also he also kind of hit his prime after the the last Super Bowl in 94, too. Right. Well, I, I think, as I said, I think it was his, wasn't that his rookie year. So yeah, I mean, yeah. It, You know, I mean, he was he was on the same team that had you know Richard Dent and Tim Harris and you know Kevin Green and all these guys that were going to play over him. You know, and uh, and we're going to get get the the limelight and and uh, get all this the star treatment. But um, ten, you know, ten for me is Roger Craig. You, you uh you kind of hit it on the head. What what made him so valuable? I think his his his, his Unique talents is what keeps him on a list like this for me, because just this exactly what you talked about. He basically revolutionized the position um, and teams found so much value in having a guy who could catch the ball out of the backfield after seeing what Roger Craig could do. Um, I have Frank Gore at nine um, in part because I think it is for a couple of reasons. One, I think Frank Gore did more as a 49er than even Roger Craig did at the position. And much like Bryant Young, he gets kind of lost in history when you're making lists like this because he never had, you know, an MVP type season, you know, the way that some of the guys we're going to mention later on in this list, you know, did for the Niners. And he was on some great teams and he was certainly, you know, a few yards away from getting a ring. But, uh, you know, what he's done, what he did with the Niners and then what he's done since he's left the Niners even. I, I know that doesn't necessarily make sense for a greatest Niners list but the the fans right now if you ask 49er fans who's your favorite 49er of all time I would be I, I would expect there to be a lot of people saying Frank Gore and you know especially well, of, if you
0: said running back I would expect that well, I, think but I would probably I would think, I, would,
1: I would think honestly if you're asking just if you just walked up to people and said who's your favorite 49er I think a lot of people would say Frank Gore. I think uh, even, you know, even guys that maybe, you know, you were even part of the eras that we were part of, that he has become such a beloved figure. And the fact that he's still playing and he's still doing well, I think just adds to the aura of what he was and what he still is. Um, And the fact that he's, you know, got all of those prime years in, in San Francisco, you know, makes San Francisco 49er fans, you know, proud that he was a Niner. And are looking forward to the day in 10 or 12 years when he gets to retire a uh, 49er, uh, when he finally stops playing. Um, and then for number eight, uh, I think, you know, we, we talk, we, you, you guys talked about at the top of the show how this isn't just the players list. And John McVay and Carmen Policy are as important to this franchise as anyone. Um, I could have easily put them higher on the list um, because of what they were able to do and, and the talent they were able to acquire. Um, but both of them, uh, were just huge parts of this franchise. Um, the, the, the brains behind, uh, the Bill Walsh era, the brains behind the George, George Seaford era, um, the brains behind everything. And so they, uh, they clearly deserve to be on a list like this. And I I w I couldn't necessarily decide who was better. So I decided to just put them in the same spot.
0: Uh, I want to debate this for a second though. I want, I want to talk about this. (laughs) I want to have a conversation about this. Bring so, it. So, first, first off, I'm gonna I'm gonna start personally with talking about people that were mentioned that hurt me to not be on my list. Roger Craig is not on my list. Oh,
2: okay, okay.
0: At all? And it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. And hearing him on your lists make makes it hurt that much more. That was a real tough one for me. That was a real tough one. Is anyone, Raymond, on anyone else's list that's not on yours? That when you heard it, you go, oh, I should have had him on my list. He deserved to be there. Craig is definitely one of those.
2: I, Frank Gore is not on my list, and Charles Haley is not on my list.
0: No, but I'm saying, but but are you bothered hearing them? Do you feel like the so I, I no, only one? Not at Yeah, all. yeah it's not then. Only mention guys that you've heard on other lists that you think should be on your list. What about you, Kendall Stickwell?
1: Uh, no, I'm good. I mean, I, I have Dwight Clark on mine. He's coming up. Um, you know, obviously Roger Craig and Karma policy. So Ray, Ray and I are, are, our lists are pretty similar. And, you know, if, if I had done a, uh, all time list that was the entire history of the Niners, you know, I probably would have included, uh, the million dollar backfield and John Brody. Um, I, I wouldn't put, uh, Joe Staley on the list and, uh, I'll mention Charles Haley when we get to honorable mention. So.
0: Nice. Yeah, Craig is in. Craig is, yeah, he's in. He's, he will be represented on my list, but he's not on my actual list. I do have to say, the, I thought about Carmen Policy and I really did. And it's funny because I had a long talk with, uh, with with Carmen
1: Policy about this list. I I had a long (laughs) talk with Carmen Policy about this list. I had a
0: long talk with him about it.
1: And he was and, so uh,
0: humble. He said, "Don't put me on your list." He said, "Don't put me on the list." He said, "He said, uh, well, he said Karma Policy said no. My dad said uh, one of the things my dad and I talked about because I I wanted to really put karma Policy on the list, and there was a couple things that he had mentioned. He said that one of the one of his he's he while well, he he agrees that." that Carmen policy was very storied he he thought Carmen policy was too cutthroat and he thought and you know, Carmen policy was really put in there as a buffer between uh Eddie D and the team and he personally he he says while well, he appreciates what Carmen policy did he was also part of the you know the big yeah, scandal with the yeah big, part of the big scandal and that in general while he liked him he thought he was too cutthroat and he he let he let a lot of good players go that we should have held on to that he thought Eddie D wouldn't have allowed had he been more in charge. And so, you know, and because his memory of Carmen Policy is a lot better than mine, that was actually what determined keeping him off my list. And, um, and same with John McVay, even though John McVay was uh, obviously very storied and has, you know, is on the wall of fame for the Niners. But those guys were off my list. I would say the, uh, the Frank Gore is similar to Joe Staley. In my opinion, you know, it's like you, you, could, you could, they both kind of represent a modern figure. Uh, you know, I think Frank Gore's is a, a great pick, uh, you know, I th- and he's literally in the same exact spot as Staley. I would say the only one I'm not crazy, I'm not super crazy about McVay policy, um, but I get it. I And, and this, I'm going to sound like the biggest hypocrite to 1994 Rudy. I'm not the biggest fan of Deion Sanders at that spot, right? He only played one year. Like top eleven of all
2: time, one year.
1: Well, a pre- it was a pretty important year.
2: I mean, it was. Year. We won a
0: Super Bowl. But and I don't was, know. And it was he
2: significant was, to Steve Young
1: and his position on my board. And he was, and he was instrument. I mean, he was the best player on the field. Yeah, I, and you could argue he was the best player on the team. As I mean, Steve Young had one of the greatest years in history, and Deion Sanders just completely blanketed an entire half of a field the entire no, year to-
0: totally totally i i would I, I i don't argue any of that but top 11 of all time because of this one to. year i
2: had to because of the, the the significance of the year his impact that year that's the reason why i had him on the
1: list they on, they only i have couldn't five, ignore they it they only have they only have five championships
0: no i get it
1: i mean they've ha- they've got a storied history of of several decades but they've only won five times so a guy who was instrumental in, in, in at least one of those, you know, it does make sense to have him in the conversation.
0: I, I, would, I would venture, and if, if he'd played, I, I, put, I, I actually, strangely enough, did not put him in my honorable mentions. I feel like honorable mentions would have made more sense. Top 11 of all time, man, that's, a, that's controversial for me. But I love it. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Any of you guys have issues with my list?
2: I don't know if I'd have put Staley on there. Only because he's still playing. And I feel like his his legacy's not over yet. He's still got, you know, some notches to add to the belt. Maybe you know, you only maybe a year left. He's missed a lot of games this season. You know, his body's yeah, starting to fall apart, unfortunately.
0: It is. It is. All right, let's move on. Raymond, seven through four.
2: Okay, seven through four. This is a big one. All right, number seven, I've got the great Ronnie Lott. Number six, I have John McVeigh. And number five, I've got Eddie D. And number four, I've got Bill Walsh.
0: Holy shit.
2: I think it's pretty obvious who my three are, but who my top three are. But but that's that's who my seven through four is.
0: Holy crap! Okay, that's great. That's great. Candlestick will. Uh
1: oh. Okay, so I'm going next. All right. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's my, my turn. No, no, no. I'll go. No, no, my turn. I've totally okay. blanked. Still work in progress. First time doing this. <laughs> sorry. So
1: hey, number seven, set?
0: Dwight Clark, is my number seven. Number six is Steve Young. Ooh. Number five, yeah. Number five. Ronnie Lott. And number four, Jerry Rice. Okay. That's, that's my list. That's my list. All right. Candlestick Will, your turn.
1: All right. So number seven, Steve Young. Oh, at seven? At seven. At number six, Dwight Clark. Holy shit. It's my list reversed. <laughs> at, number, at number five, Eddie D. Oh, I have him at five.
0: And you guys are like so similar lists. I love it.
1: And number four, I have the GOAT, Jerry Rice. Wow. Oh,
0: (laughs) finally we're in agreement. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, Raymond, go through your list. Defend your list.
2: So Ronnie Lott I have there because he was a 10-time Pro Bowler. With the 49ers, although one of those I think was with the Raiders when we cut him loose in the in the 90s. But um, he was he was there from the first Super Bowl all the way up until just before Steve Young took over. He really transitioned around the same, similarly around the same time that Joe Montana did. But he was instrumental in not only solidifying the secondary, but also you know paving the way for other players up until the rules really started to get stringent on, on hard hitting and, and especially the way that players at his position hit, you know, especially when you think about even, um, other cornerbacks that cornerbacks and safeties that played in that era. And after that era, like Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders was never a hitter, but Rod Woodson comes to mind. Ed Reed comes to mind, uh, um, Steve Atwater comes to mind, those types of guys, he was really the first of that, of that breed. And he really, he was, he was similar to Roger Craig, where he really brought a a new breath into that position. And he played corner first before he moved over to safety. But then when he started to, when teams started to adjust to him and started to able to beat him, Bill Walsh and his genius moved him over to free safety and was able to continue his career and continue to be, you know, a really incredible ballhawk. He's he's got I think he's got a uh, let's see here. He's got over 1146 tackles, 63 picks. He's got four rings. So to me, I think he was just instrumental, but I but I didn't I the other people ahead of him, you know, they they have I have other reasons why they're ahead of him, but to me, Ronnie Lott definitely deserved to be on this list in some form or another.
1: And, and he's, then, got uh,
2: he's got a ring for every finger. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and um, after that was uh, John McVay. So John McVeigh, this was kind of an easy one because he was there for all five championships. So he was director of football operations, but also played in the general manager role as well. So he had a heavy hand in selecting all of these players that are on this list. And he, John McVeigh was with us in the nineties too. I think he left and came back in the nineties and was around, was around during the Steve Young era and the tail end of Steve Young's era. So he helped bring a lot of players and keep, he helped was again, one of the masterminds that really kept the cogs going and kept the winning going and kept the championships rolling in there. And so because of that, that integral part, the integral role he played, I had to have him pretty high on the list right there smack in the middle, and Eddie D was pretty much for the same reason. He came over and really, he he actually revolutionized the owner position with the the way that he approached players, the way that he treated the team like his family. No other owner had done that before, and owners started to take a more, you know, intimate and hands-on approach with their players. You know, we don't see a lot of that these days. Jed York is very different, although he's tried, he's sought after a lot of advice from Eddie but he'll never be that type of person because I just don't think it's his personality. It's not who the Yorks are in general either.
0: Well, and after after, uh, in my opinion, unfairly being you know ostracized and put through the ringer for the Harbaugh thing, I I understand why he doesn't want to.
2: Yeah, I think when he did try, it, it didn't work out very well, and he and with the the era of press that we live in now is is you're more scrutinized than ever before ever more than, than Eddie D you know, although Eddie D was, you know, embattled in some pretty big controversy in his time too. And Bill Walsh, just for the, you know, just for the obvious reasons, you know, he was a part of the first three championships. He has a terrific coaching record at 92, 59 and one, and was just, still has a large influence. He revolutionized the entire game. So, he, especially, uh, particularly on offense, but that, that translates to how defenses play too. So he had an effect on defense too, just as much as he did on offense. And for me, you know, he was also very... You know, so he's number four for you, right? He's number four, but he was very, you know, close to the players. You know, him and him and Eddie D, you know, had a similar approach to the players, where they they were very close to those players. Even though Bill Walsh was very, you know, he could get he he get on your ass, and he, there was a, there was a strict, harsh side to him too. But there was also a loving, caring side to him too. And I think Charles Haley has always been uh, comes to mind when I think about this because he always echoed that he looked to Bill Walsh as a father like figure because he He helped him get through some really dark times in his life, and so he was always very appreciative and had has a lot of love. I think he said it in his Hall of Fame uh, inductee speech that he has a lot of love for Bill Walsh because of that so so even though there is, there was a, a harsher side to him, a, a rough around the edges side, there was also a side of him that was very much like Eddie Bartolo, and very much liked to treat these players like like kids and like his sons and things like that. So, But I had him on the list just because of what his influence, not only in getting us the first three championships, but also just his, the legacy he's left on the entire league and how he's changed his position.
0: Okay, so go one more time. I just want to hear your list again. Read off seven through four again, so yes. I have it correct in my brain.
2: So we have Ronnie Lott, John mm-hmm. McVay. Eddie Bartolo and Bill Walsh.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. So I put Dwight Clark at number seven, much higher than you did. Uh, I, that, that catch, we had lost to the Cowboys three Super Bowls, three Super Bowls, three playoffs series, three years in a row in the 70s, two NFC championships, and then like a divisional game. Uh, sounds very familiar. Sounds very nineteen nineties ish. The Dwight Clark catch. It was so important. It's one of those things that that you know, and we all agree about this. And the reason I think he belongs higher on the list is because he this catch. It wasn't just. It wasn't just about the catch and winning the t- and making that touchdown. It was about beating this team that had historically just always had our number in the post. It was about. Really taking the first monkey off this team's back. And that catch, it wasn't a, just about the tangible of it. It's the intangible of what it meant. And that's why I put him at that position. I put Steve Young at number six. And uh, when, what can be said that hasn't already been said, seven-time Pro Bowler, first-time All-Pro, he was part of three different Super Bowl teams, but was a Super Bowl MVP in the 94-95 season. Two-time NFL MVP. The second greatest quarterback to behind Joe Montana. Just the dude. Um, our Raymond's favorite quarterback. Is this yours, Candlestick, Will? You Steve Young guy too?
1: No, I, your favorite? I, have, I have someone higher on the list.
0: No, but I'm saying is he your favorite of the two between Joe and Steve?
1: No. It's Okay, I, raises and raises. I've, I've always been a Joe guy.
0: I'm a Joe guy too. Uh, I put Ronnie Lott ahead of Steve Young. Same thing, Raymond. Some of the similar things you said. You know, if Joe was the architect of the offense, Ronnie Lott definitely the architect of the defense. And um, I feel like he was as prolific in his position as an as Im- arguably almost as important to the defense as Joe was to the offense and that's why I put him there I put Jerry Rice controversially possibly at number four mainly because I just don't think he goes ahead of who my top three are and uh but you know what can be said that hasn't been said the greatest arguably the greatest NFL athlete to ever play the game three times Super Bowls three-time Pro Bowler, 13-time Pro Bowler, 13 times, played for 20 years, first team 80s and 90s, Eighty number 80 retired, two-time NFL receptions leader, six-time NFL receptions yards leader, two-time Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, the guy's stats are unbelievable. He uh, just unreal, but I, I had to put him at four. I just don't think he, even though greatest wide receiver of all time, greatest athlete of all time, but we're not talking – Overall stats, we're talking most important, top 11 49ers, and I have three ahead of him, which you maybe be able to guess at this point. Can I stick Will?
1: So I, I have Steve Young lowest on the, on the list among the three of us, and it's nothing against Steve Young. Um, it's more uh, the players I have ahead of him. Um, because Steve Young is a, a guy who could easily be a top three niner all time based on what he did. I wouldn't
0: argue anybody who said that.
1: Um, but I have him at seven. And, and mostly it's because of, the, of what I think Dwight Clark, Eddie DeBartolo, Eddie and Jerry Rice, uh, and then the rest of my list uh, mean to the team. Because Steve Young continued the legacy, but the six guys ahead of him on my list are the reason there was a legacy to continue. And number six is Dwight Clark for me. Um, Dwight Clark is the 2010 Giants. He there were you know 35 years of frustration lifted because of that catch. And he is the first championship in San Francisco sports history. He was one of the most popular 49ers before that catch. He was the 49er there before Montana and Lott and Walsh showed up. And so he became you know, he, you know, if he's Willie Mays and Montana's McCovey, you know, kind of thing where he was, he was the guy that was there before it all started. And
0: no, Clark was drafted by Walsh, wasn't he? No, nope.
1: he's drafted. But I, my, my, my point being is that like he, he was the one that kind of laid the foundation. You know, got it, I mean? got it, got it, got it. And so he's the one that started it all for them. And I think that it's, it, it it's, because of that catch, I think sometimes it gets lost in history that that was the only thing he did. But what that catch meant to this franchise, I think, is, is something that can't be underst- understated. And then, you know, Eddie D, we, you guys already, um, Ray did a good job of, of talking about his impact and what he meant. And, you know, th- this whole machine is, there's a lot of chicken and the egg in our, in our list you know, who, who really did come first. And, you know, if, if Eddie D's, if someone other than Eddie D is the owner, does does Bill Walsh or, or Joe Montana happen and, and those kind of things, um, or are, are the, is the only reason we remember Eddie D because of, you know, Walsh and Montana and others. So, you know, we can kind of play that, you know, that circular game, but Eddie D belongs to me in the top five because of his impact. Um, and, you know, all of our number fours, you know, Ray, you had Bill Walsh and, and Rudy, you you and I have Jerry Rice. You know, it's it's somewhat silly that uh, Bill Walsh and Jerry Rice don't make um, everyone's top three. But it just also shows the the talent that the 49ers have had over the years that the greatest wide receiver to ever live is not in our top three um, for, for you and you and I, Rudy. So. You, you guys said everything that needed to be said about Rice. You know, greatest, maybe the greatest football player to ever live. Maybe the greatest. Or he is the greatest wide receiver to ever live, and and yet the impact he had on the team, in some ways, isn't as strong as some of the other guys that we're going to mention.
0: Yeah, that's what's really crazy. Um, I don't really have any debates with anyone's lists. I, you know, I I had a suspicion that the the eleven through eight would spark the most controversy because it just is so broad. There's so many places you can go guys. Let's move into our honorable mentions before we move into our top three. Cause I'm really dying to hear where guys are placed now. Now you guys have really piqued my curiosity and I have a feeling I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> Raymond, who are your honorable mentions?
2: My honorable mentions in no particular order are Charles Haley, Frank Gore, Brent Jones, Patrick Willis, and Terrell Owens.
0: Oh, nice. Terrell Owens. Wow. he T.O. Get, gets a shout-out. I like it. I had it.
2: to because he was, you know, without the controversy, he really was and could have been the second coming of Jerry Rice. And, you know, he's the closest thing that to me that got there you know and and he did play with Steve Young for a, a large portion of his career but i think controversy really kind of had him floating around the league and had he just kind of had the same i say i would say i guess poise that rice had you know he could have probably stayed a 49er and could have put up even bigger numbers although he did he he did put up good numbers with Donovan McNabb but I just had him on that list because, you know, his accomplishments speak for itself. And he was mostly a Niner. And Patrick Willis, what can you say? He was played for the Niners the entire time. Every He went to the Pro Bowl every single year that he played for us. Brent Jones uh, won four championships with us. Or, I'm sorry, won three championships with us. Was really part of that West Coast offense that really kind of helped, you know, spark his put his position into greater significance than just blocking and being an extra hand for the offensive line and frank gore for a lot of the, the things you guys mentioned and you know this guy he came out of the draft with two two i think two acl injuries out of college and was able is now third all-time on the all-time rushing list five-time pro bowler you know what even though some of that you know was accomplished without the niners all the pro bowl appearances were with the Niners though. And there's only,
0: and he will retire a niner.
2: He will, and he's still playing, you know, right now, and even this year. But there's only been two years out of his entire career. He'll probably, he probably won't reach it this year either. It probably will be three, but only as as it stands right now, only two complete years where he's not amassed well over a thousand yards from scrimmage. You know, that's just incredibly consistent uh, on his part. And Charles Haley for a lot of the stuff that has already been said he was a big part of the defense that got us championships and even though he played for the other other side you know he he paid for it in 94 for doing that you know deon sanders didn't didn't suffer the same fate oh he, he just suffered losses when he was an atlanta falcon but haley uh haley for a lot of the reasons that you guys already mentioned
0: so my list is actually in in a particular order it goes from five down to one number five i have patrick willis same reasons you said Number four, Tom Rathman. Not only for Tom Rathman's contributions as a player, but as a coach. And he's one of the best running back coaches out there. And Tom Rathman, I put at number four. Number three, Roger Craig. This one really hurt not to have on the list. It really, really did. You could arguably have put him in for Joe Staley, and maybe that's even more. Uh, But regrettably, this is probably the one that hurt me the most. Number two, John Taylor. Mr. John Taylor. I was kind of surprised we haven't heard his name yet. John Taylor at number two for me. Uh, You know, the wide receiver two behind Jerry Rice and the catcher of my favorite Super Bowl touchdown of all time. Super Bowl twenty-three, Montana to Taylor to, to finish the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history at that time, the John Candy drive. Montana to Taylor. I love John Taylor. And number one for me. George Seifert honorable mention he while he carried one. yeah while he carried on the legacy of Bill Walsh in in 89 the the 94 team was his team and he's the only other coach to get us Super Bowls Bill got us 3 George got us 2 and that and that still says something to me I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't heard him on anyone else's lists I would impersonally... personally Personally, I I find him more important than uh, Policy and McVeigh. But that's just my personal opinion on, on Seifert. But my list goes Willis, Rathman, Craig, Taylor, and Seifert. How about yourself, Candlestick Will? Who who are your honorable mentions?
1: Uh, so I had uh, some of the guys we already mentioned. I had T.O., Charles Haley, and Patrick Willis. Um, one guy that hasn't been mentioned yet, Fred Dean. Um, very similar to Dwight Clark and in, in his impact defensively. He was basically Charles Haley before Charles Haley. And, uh, you know, a shout, out, shout out to all the hall of famers, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Bob St. Clair, um, you know, all the, all the guys that have been, uh, inducted into the hall of fame. Um, you, you obviously, uh, Rudy mentioned some of them, the other, the other, the other shout outs I wanted to give are, uh, two of the greatest announcers to ever live, Joe Starkey and Lon Simmons um, their, their impact on bringing the 49ers to, uh, to life in, uh, the homes of Niner fans. Um, they deserve to be mentioned on a podcast like this.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Yeah. No, no, uh, I have no debates with anyone else. Yeah, announcers. Uh,
2: that's a great one. I didn't that's think a of great that. One.
0: Yeah. I didn't think of that. That's a great one. Anyone have any debates with our honorable mentions?
2: No, actually Lon Simmons has my favorite call, which is the Steve Young run.
0: Mm, mm, mm. That's great. All right. Young
1: is exhausted. <laughs> yeah. He dies. Get, gets away down, again.
0: <laughs> all right. Here we go. It's time, folks. Our top three choices for top 11 49ers of all time. Controversial lists all across, but only in the best way controversial in that there's just a, the plethora of incredible players that have and and executives and coaches that have been a part of this team is so deep and so extensive that everyone's everyone's list honestly is completely defendable and justifiable and at the same time in some ways completely contrast to one another and it, it just shows the subjectivity of these kinds of lists and I love it so Raymond it's now your turn. Will you unveil your top three 1149ers of all time?
2: All right, here we go, baby. I've got Steve Young, Jerry Rice, and Joe Montana.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise.
0: What a shock of a list. I did not see this coming in any way, shape, or form. You mean, you
1: didn't have Chip Kelly anywhere on your
2: list?
0: I mean, at least honorable mention?
2: Jim Tomsula, Jim Harbaugh, and... And
0: Greg Roman.
2: <laughs> Greg Roman. In that order. In that order.
0: Okay. My list, number three, Eddie DiBartolo. Uh, I'll defend it after. Number two joe montana and number one i have to give it to bill walsh
2: Ooh, my, that's a good
1: one
0: as, yeah i go eddie d joe and mr bill billy walsh candlestick will what are your top three 49ers of all time
1: so i have uh, dexter carter dana hall and Chet Brooks. No, I'm scared. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> That's the
0: Carter Dana
1: on Chet Brooks. Uh, no. <laughs> no. So I have uh, Ronnie Lott number three, Joe Montana number two, and Bill Walsh number one.
0: Boom. You and I are in agreement in a couple of major key areas. I love it. Raymond, defend your list. Not not a list anyone can argue with, arguably the most Predictable top three, I would say, on 90% of most people's top 10 49ers of all time, which is in no way a bad thing or an insult. It just That's just how prolific and important those guys are. Defend your top three.
2: So with Steve Young, I think the obvious reason for me was what he had to follow up and continue, which was to continue the 49er legacy. And even though he wasn't able to match what his predecessor had done, he was still able to keep it going for a very long time and had to start his career rather late because of who he sat behind and watched. But I thought that, I think that was still very, that was still proved to be a very integral part of his growth as a quarterback, especially since he was the opposite of Joe Montana in so many ways. He wanted to run first before passing. He threw with his left hand, you know, those those things ended up, he ended up becoming a, a more prolific passer than Joe Montana. And he went to seven straight Pro Bowls once he took the reins completely. And he actually has three rings to his name. And even though he didn't start in 88 and 89, he still played in 11 and 10 games in those seasons. He started three times in each of those seasons. And he was 2-1 and one in 1988. And he was 3-0 in 1989 and actually in all the game in the 10 games that he played all together he threw for over a thousand yards and threw eight touchdowns and three picks in 88 he threw for 680 yards three touchdowns three picks not as not as impactful but in other words my point is that he was still very much involved in those championship runs in some form or another he just didn't you know get to be on the big stage when it counted the most because we had somebody that we really that needed to be there more so than he did but he did carry the reins and keep us afloat in those seasons that we needed to stay relevant and those were those are big champ those are our fir- our first our first and only back-to-back super bowl wins he's also a six-time passer rating leader and a five-time completion percentage leader the only quarterbacks really that have uh, Aaron Rodgers Peyton Manning Tom Brady have not matched those numbers the only person that co- that has matched those numbers is Drew Brees. He's been a he's been a six-time passer rating uh, leader as well. But uh, none of those guys, none of all four of those quarterbacks that are all still playing, none of them have as many completions have led the league in completion percentage as many times as Steve Young. Also think,
0: your your personal favorite
2: Or I'm sorry, have led the league in passer rating. And, and also got,
0: your person Oh, go ahead.
2: I'm sorry, my personal what?
0: I was going to say also your personal favorite 49er of all time. Yes?
2: Well, yes. At the time, I was, I think I was more aware of football at that age in the 90s. I was an adolescent and a teenager during that time. So I was more aware of what was going on in the league. And so, and Steve Young just happened to be the quarterback. So, and I was amazed at his running ability. Cause I didn't see anybody else that did that. You know, we, I, I didn't live in Philadelphia, so I couldn't watch Randall Cunningham do his thing. You know, I could just watch Steve Young. And then when I watched him become a passer, then it was completely different. And he had, you know, the two MVPs, but to me, the, the biggest reason why he's number three on the list is because he was asked to do quite a lot although I don't think anyone ever walked in there and said hey you really need to keep up to do what Joe did no one ever said those exact words but we all knew that that's what was that was the expectation that was the expectation of all the team everyone on the team the front office and of course the fans you know they said you got to keep this ball going so it was an immense monkey on his back and he was a very intense person and he did it a Tremendous job doing that, and earned his jacket with flying colors, in my opinion. And outside of you know, apparent only Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees have been more accurate than Steve Young in NFL history. Steve Young was the first to really be that good at at completing his passes than anybody else, and Aaron Rodgers beat him. And actually, to be honest, Aaron Rodgers in his career, he's only you know. He's sixty-four point eight percent, and Steve Young sixty-four point four. So they're pretty much, you know, they're virtually the same. Drew Brees is on another level. He's ten percent better than both those guys. But, um, but Jerry Rice is there for uh, pretty much just being arguably one of the best players that's ever played the game. I know some people think that about Tom Brady, but Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice is he's he's got miles of records that are just absolutely insane. I wish I was playing fantasy football when he was in in his prime, (laughs) because I I would have single-handedly won some championships just by having him on my team. He's got the 13 Pro Bowls, you know, the sixth time leading the league in receptions, the, the, fifteen over fifteen hundred receptions, twenty-two thousand receiving yards, hundred and ninety-seven receiving touchdowns over two hundred in his entire career. He's just accomplished an insane amount, and he's still this addicted fitness freak that you know still thinks he can play. Oftentimes, jokes about it. He was only part of the three championships. Sometimes, you know, he's done so much, you almost want to, you almost think he's been a part of all of them. But he was, you know, he was only a part of the back to back and Steve Young's championship runs.
0: Well, he often, he often, that's what people love to, they love to, uh, whenever they want to lobby uh, criticisms at the 49ers and they clearly don't know their history, they go, well, you know, the only reason Joe Montana won those Super Bowls because he had Jerry Rice. And it's like, he actually, didn't have two half, per- half
2: of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, won, exactly. won the first
0: two without him. That's my favorite stack. Because the second you throw that to people, they're like, uh, like, yeah, you don't know anything about what you're talking about. <laughs> you're just repeating what you've what you've heard.
2: Yeah. So and and Joe, Joe, for a lot of the obvious reasons, even though he's not the most winningest quarterback in Super Bowl history, he's always been tied with Terry Bradshaw, but no one's even ever considered Terry Bradshaw part of the conversation. But he does have the immaculate record in super, the most immaculate record in Super Bowl history. Tom Brady could never touch him. It took Tom Brady multiple Super Bowls. Raymond, stadium. repeat
0: that record. The perfect stat for for the people. Perfect stat
2: is 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, four Super Bowl appearances, four wins, zero losses,
0: three he, MVPs, three and three
2: MVPs. He's been he's been absolutely he was absolutely insane when it counted. The most. And that was something that Tom Brady could never do. He had to lose championships before he could even match Steve Young's or Steve Young, uh, Joe Montana's accomplishments. And even then, there's things that Tom Brady has done. T- t- there's still things to this day. So that, that will live on forever. That's forever. You know, there's, there's things that when, when Tom Brady calls it quits, there are things that I am proud to say that Steve Young and Joe Montana did better than him that, that are, you know, forever a part of their record that he can never touch. Um, even though he's got the most rings, that's that's accomplishment in and of itself, and that certainly deserves respect and admiration. But at least as a as a hardcore Niner fan, I can say that there are things that he that still to this day Joe Montana and Steve Young have done that he has not accomplished. I love it.
0: So in my list and defending my list, I I had to go Eddie, Joe, and Bill, and the reason why is because it's kind of like what you said, Candlestick. Will the chicken or the egg? Eddie D, I have to put in the top three because without Eddie D buying the team and putting Bill Walsh in position to win, who then goes and drafts Joe Montana, that that line there begins with Eddie D, greatest, arguably the greatest football owner of all time, one of the most successful five rings to his name. He's in the 49er Hall of Fame, in the NFL Hall of Fame. Eddie D is... The most was the most successful owner of all time, and literally lifted this team, who at that point, outside of those three uh, playoff appearances in from '70 70 to '72, they were nothing. They were uh, they they were constantly getting upended by the Rams and were pretty much a you know a bottom dwelling team for the NFC West. And Ed, I had to put Eddie D in the top three because Eddie D leads to Bill. Now Joe greatest i you know i put him at number 2 the greatest uh nfl or 49ers quarterback of all time for me he will always be the goat he will always be the best uh no cheating con- controversies you know all of the the tuck rule there's just so many things with the patriots run that are constant stains on it that question the validity of everything they've done question the the Moralistic approach that they've taken to winning their championships. You don't have any of that with Joe. That's why Joe's the goat. And he, like you said, Raymond, never the never the flashiest player. But when it came down to the big game on the biggest ska- stage to win it all, there's only one guy in the world I I want as my as my quarterback, and that's Joe Montana. And Joe Montana won them in an era where they were when they almost broke his back in '86. He was NFL Comeback Player of the Year. That year, he, he, threw, he played in such a more violent time. And, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I take Tom Brady. I go, oh, I would take Joe Montana in this era even better. Even better. <laughs> it's like, man, he, yes, he's he,
2: even more protected.
0: Yeah, even more protected. They can't even touch him now. I w- if I had, if I, if I've got.
2: That tackle never happens in this era.
0: Yep. Down by seven, 90 seconds to go, 199 100- yards to go. There's only one quarterback I want in my huddle, and that's Joe Montana. No question. And then number one, I had to give to Bill Walsh, which Candlestick will have a feeling is probably going to be the same reason as you. He was the architect. Eddie D was the money man. Joe Montana was the executioner. But Bill I have to put at my number one spot because he was the architect. He was the engine. He was the brain. He was the GM. He was the coach. He led this team to three Super Bowls and established the foundation that allowed George Seifert to win two more. Bill, I put at number one ahead of Joe because he was just the overall architect in the front office on the field. Joe had to execute. But Bill was the one that created it. Not only that, he innovated the West Coast offense and literally changed the game of football on his quest to creating the dynasty that he did with the San Francisco 49ers. I had to put Bill as the number one most important 49ers of all all time because without Bill, none of this is possible. Eddie D starts it with the purchase of the team and the hiring of Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh orchestrates everything Joe Montana executes, and between the three of them, we have one of the greatest dynasties of all time, arguably the second most greatest dynasty of all time behind the Patriots, but I would argue this. Our first to five happened faster with no controversies, no losses, two head coaches, two quarterbacks, but these three right here right here are the heartbeat that to me make up the trifecta of the top 49ers of all time. Didn't Um, didn't they
2: accumulate the most wins within that five championship span?
0: I don't know. Like the Um, most
2: wins in NFL history. accumulated.
0: I would would believe you. I mean, I will say this, like I said, if you look at, if you look at the Patriots run to five versus the 49ers run to five, it's, I mean, there's isn't even a comparison. There really isn't. Like I said, two different quarterbacks, two different head coaches, uh, um, the uh, no losses, per- perfect perfect performances. No picks. Steve no picks an
2: interception in, in the Super Bowl either. He threw no six. picks.
0: No picks through five Super Bowls. Two different quarterbacks. The 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 run the Patriots run to five versus our run to five. It isn't even a comparison. Not even close. They don't even come in touch. They don't even come within within a hundred yards of us. And I I mean that fully. But. I had to go bill because he was the architect and and it was his foundation that was used to win beyond even him as the coach. And uh, Eddie is the owner. I just think it's impossible to ignore Eddie as the owner. And uh, I do put him ahead of Jerry Rice and Steve Young and Ronnie Lott and all those guys, because he was the owner. He's the guy. He set this all into motion. Eddie doesn't buy that team in the seventies. We're probably not having this conversation today. And then Joe, obviously you could, you know, you could probably flip, Joe and Bill, and I wouldn't argue those, but those are my three. Candlestick, will defend your three.
1: Well, I think um, in making lists like this, you try to look at what guys are looked at, and underrated, overrated, and all that kind of things. And I, I really do think Ronnie Lott is underrated, because I think he meant as much to winning as Joe Montana did, because he was Joe Montana on defense. We, we kind of alluded to that when you guys talked about uh, why you put lot as high as you did on your list
0: yeah he's in my top five
1: and and he's in the top he's in top five or he's he's in the top seven for everybody and you know the I think when you look at his impact on the defensive side of the ball you know offense is always more glamorized you know the quarterback always gets more attention and and Joe Montana is arguably the greatest quarterback to ever live you know not just the greatest 49er quarterback and so it's I'm I'm not trying to exaggerate when I say that Ronnie Lott was Joe Montana on defense. And, he was, no question. And, and I think that you know having him three for me is a way of kind of uh, honoring that and honoring the fact that as great as Jerry as great as Jerry Rice was, and yes, it's very possible they don't win any championships um, you know without Rice, but I also think they don't even get to the Super Bowls without Ronnie Lott. And so I think that, you know, that that to me is a big part of it, is that sometimes you get so caught up in how amazing Jerry Rice was um, on Super Sunday and how amazing Joe Montana was, you know, when the lights were brightest. But I don't think they even make the playoffs or you or win playoff games without Ronnie Lott and and what he could do to lead that defense, because there were some years, you know, yeah, they had Charles Haley at times and yeah, they had some other guys that were pretty good. Um, But their defenses were not necessarily that star-studded and were not necessarily that great for some of their championships. They were great units that played well together. And a big part of that was Ronnie Lott. Um, I have Joe Montana number two as well. um, And I I have for essentially the same reason as you did, um, Rudy, when you put Bill Walsh number one. If Bill Walsh doesn't coach this team, they don't draft Joe Montana. And so – when you're trying to put greatest 49ers to me, even though Joe Montana did ended up doing more for this franchise um, on the field and what he was able to accomplish on the field ends up looking like the the most important part. He doesn't even wear the uniform without Bill Walsh Uh, um, as a third round find the greatest third round pick to ever live. um, You know, Bill Walsh found something in a guy who didn't even play every game at Notre Dame and gave him an opportunity to take over the team. And and the rest, as we say, is history. So, you know, what Bill Walsh was able to do, and, and not even just in, in Montana. I mean, he found Steve Young, you know, playing in, in Tampa and not not really playing that well. And he had had that, that career at BYU, and then wasn't really doing much in Tampa. And he said, "Come over here, and we'll we'll fi- we'll fix your career." And he and he did. He found tape of Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley State, and tried to you know hide the fact that he knew about him and ends up getting the greatest receiver to ever lived to, to be drafted and, and actually you know traded up to get him uh, when he was some, some kid from a part of the um, part of the college football landscape that no one had ever heard of um, so some of the, some of the, the moves he was able to make in the draft and some of the things he was able to do but then just the fact that the West Coast offense is still the offense in football right now that his impact on the, on the 49ers and his impact on the sport, Is uh, is unquestioned, and you make a Mount Rushmore of NFL history. You know, Bill Walsh might have to be on it.
0: Yeah, agreed. Can't
1: argue with any of that.
0: No, no. Yeah, do any anyone have any debates with anyone's top three?
2: No,
1: I have zero.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I love (laughs) them all.
1: I think that's the beautiful thing about this this first this first uh, topic is that the the Niners have six or seven legends. And so when you have that many legends, it's just a matter of which legend are you putting where in your in your top three or four.
0: Yeah, definitely. W- great lists all the way around. Raymond, one more time for the people. Just go very quickly. You're 11 down to one, just so we hear them all in a row.
2: You got it. It's Dwight Clark at 11. Deion Sanders at 10. Roger Craig at 9. Carmen Policy, 8. Ronnie Lott, 7. John McVeigh 6. Eddie DiBartolo at five, Bill Walsh at four, Steve Young at three, Jerry Rice at two, and Joe Montana at number one. And the honorable mentions are Charles Haley, Frank Gore, Brent Jones, Patrick Willis, Terrell Terrell Owens. And I would also add, just as a fun one, I would throw in the Bill Walsh coaching tree.
0: Nice. That is a fun one. My top 11 at number 11, the Million Dollar Backfield, YA Tittle, Joe Perry, Hugh McGelney, John Henry Johnson. Number 10, John Brody. Number 9, Joe Staley number eight, Charles Haley, number seven, Dwight Clark, number six, Steve Young, number five, Ronnie Lott, number four, Jerry Rice, number three, Eddie D, number two, Joe Montana, and number one, RIP, the great Bill Walsh. Candlestick Will, your turn.
1: So for mine, I got uh, Bryant Young at 11, Roger Craig at 10, Frank Gore at nine. I have a two-way tie at number eight with John McVay and Carmen Policy. Steve Young all the way down at number seven, number six, Dwight Clark, five, Eddie D, four, Jerry Rice, the goat, three, Ronnie Lott, two, Joe Montana, and number one, the architect, Bill Walsh.
0: That's right. And then honorable mentions for me, I forgot to mention, was Patrick Willis, Tom Rathman, Roger Craig, John Taylor, and George Seifert. And who are your honorable mentions? John
1: Taylor's a good one. And Tom Rathman. It's
0: the only time we heard those two guys' names. Seifert, too, I think.
1: For yeah. uh, so My honor mention had T.O. Charles Haley, Patrick Willis, Fred Dean, um, every 49er Hall of Famer, and then the two announcers. Joe... <laughs> every 49 Hall of Famer. And then That's the awesome. two. And then the two uh, announcers, Joe Starkey and Lon Simmons. R.I.P.
0: Dude, what? does
2: anyone know which which football franchise has the most Hall of Fame inductees all
1: time?
0: I think it's the Dallas Cowboys. Is it? They're,
1: they're they're missing quite a few from the 70s, so maybe.
0: So here's the list. Bears, one. Washington is tied for two with the Giants. Packers is third, tied with the Rams. The Steelers tied for six with the Niners. Then the Raiders, the Cowboys,
2: and the Eagles. Okay.
0: But really?
2: We got more than Cowboys, that's for sure. And Philadelphia. Yeah, we do. That's good. The Bears,
0: unbelievable. The Bears, the Washington professional football team, the New York Giants, the Packers, just garbage ass teams.
2: We're tied with <laughs> Pittsburgh. The Rams. I'm surprised yeah. the Rams are up there.
0: Seriously. Give me a break. But if you but if you look at modern era, I would have a I have a strong feeling. Yeah. Like if you look at everyone from the Packers, so many of these guys are 30s, 40s, 50s. Same with the Giants, a lot of 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You look at the 49ers there's the there's and also
2: some overlap of players like jerome bettis and and kevin green are also counted for the rams even though their careers were more pronounced in pittsburgh
1: mm-hmm. well and so if you're looking at the list for chicago bears in the pro football hall of fame uh one of their guys is orlando pace from 2009 orlando pace played for the bears he was drafted by the rams no i know that but i i, I hadn't i i, I don't mind, remember
2: him playing for him. i
1: do not remember him playing for the the bears in 2009 weird but yeah and Re- Reggie
2: White yeah Reggie White is on the oh wait no he's not never mind
1: um but yeah I mean the Niners the Niners are, are you know could possibly get Patrick Willis they'll definitely get Frank Gore um Bryant Young and Roger Craig um are also guys that will eventually be there I think so they'll they'll be a few more 49ers in the next few years
0: yeah. definitely all right, gentlemen, that was great. This has been our inaugural episode of the Top 11 Podcast. It's a brand new list show that we'll be diving into all kinds of subjects. Uh, but first, we want to start with the 49ers, as we know that is of interest to our Goldcast. Any final thoughts before we leave, Ken Will?
1: Yeah, so um, how many more games before Fred Warner makes our Top 11?
0: <laughs> What's He's playing the out of his mind
1: right now? <laughs> Uh, it, I mean, is it, it, I mean, does he get, does he get there before the season ends? I mean, I'm just curious. You guys, you guys have been watching the season closer than I have. So I'm just curious where where top, where top 11, top 11, best active 49ers <laughs> players.
2: <laughs> I Who mean, he's with, not, wait, he's not already without,
1: you mean he's not already the goat, uh, for the current 11. The
0: <laughs> so concludes the first edition of the top 11 podcast. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host.
2: Raymond the I, baby.
0: And our esteemed co-host.
1: Candle, stick, will.
0: Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Top 11 Podcast time, same Top 11 Podcast channel.
1: This is, this is The Gold Cast.